The next thing I know is I wake up and I just remember like something bad happened to me last night. Somebody hurt me. This is Carrie Lowe's story. Carrie did everything, quote unquote, right. She reported right away. Her legal team says police systematically mishandled her case. Meanwhile, her attackers remain at large. I'm Maggie Rahr, and this is Carrie Lowe versus. Available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC podcast. Kelly Konichny got an unexpected call earlier this month. She has chronic kidney disease and has been waiting for a living kidney donor for more than four years. On this call, though, Kelly found out that her wait would only get longer. She was told that the transplant agency for Northern Alberta is temporarily pulling out of the National Kidney Paired Donation Program. I was shocked because I would have never thought that this was a possibility. And I felt like we just had the rug pulled out from under us, and we need these transplants in order to survive. And with my situation, I have a rare 100% antibody sensitivity, meaning that a match for me is going to be even harder. So I need to be in like a Canada-wide program to greater my chances in finding somebody who will actually be my miracle. This program is being paused partly due to a lack of anesthesiologists, and the shortage isn't just causing issues for kidney transplants. Dr. Kevin Gregg is president of the anesthesia section of the Alberta Medical Association. He's in Edmonton. Dr. Gregg, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. How did this shortage of anesthesiologists impact the kidney pair donation program in northern Alberta, as you understand it? Uh, So my understanding is that the program has suspended... uh, daytime live donorship in terms of living donors, um, which is obviously a large portion of the donorship. Um, We've been short for a few years now uh, in Edmonton and Alberta and across the country, and there's actually a global shortage looming, if not already here. Mm -hmm. Um, A large part of this is just aging demographics, uh, burnout, retirements, um, people kind of slowing down their practices because they're burned out and kind of the inability to keep up with trainees um, at the pace at which people are retiring or leaving the practice. How short are you? I'd, I'd read somewhere upwards of 20-25%. Yeah, that's probably accurate. Um, I know in the Edmonton zone we have five sites. I think three of them right now are at least 20% short. Um, some of the sites across the province, Red Deer's in a, in a real country right now, I've, I've heard up to almost 50% short of Wow. Uh, what we call the FTE, which is the full-time equivalent. Now, that's not necessarily bodies, but, you know, how much people are working as well. Um, you know, the numbers I've heard Canada-wide, uh, at least 300. Um, so there are 300 you know, positions the prob- for anesthesiologists that are not being filled right now? That's in the ballpark of what I heard, yes. Um, you ran and, down, and some, you ran down some of the reasons why. Just give, give us a, a, yeah. a, bro- a broader sense. You mentioned burnout as one. Yeah, I, I mean, during COVID, uh, my group at the, the hospital I work at is between 50 and 60 people. Uh, we lost 12 people during COVID. Some moved to other provinces. Some kind of packed it in and retired because they were approaching their retirement age and decided they had enough. Um, you know, the days are getting longer and longer. The morale at the hospital has not been great in the last few years for a number of reasons. Um, and so people... You know, and, and there's a large demographic of my colleagues that are in the pair retirement age, and some are just saying, okay, I've had enough, I'm out. 
Um, you know, and a lot of people have stepped up to pick up that work. We have a lot of volunteer work happening, kind of in addition to what people are normally scheduled to work. So, how um, how long would the days up. be? Uh, you know, a standard day at the hospital I work at's about nine hours, um, but we also do call on top of that. Our second call shift is eighteen hours, and mm-hmm. then the main call shift is between sixteen and twenty-four, depending on if it's a weekday or a weekend. So, you know, sixty hours a week is probably a, an average week. I'd also heard part of this is also about an aging population requiring more surgeries that you, part of it is there are fewer anesthesiologists, but you're doing more work because more people require your services. hundred percent. You know, in in Alberta, one of the big topic issues has been uh, parsoplasty, which is hip and knee replacement. Um, And we know that as people age, arthritis gets worse and, you know, there's a large aging population in Canada and more and more people are needing hip and knee surgeries than ever before. Uh, we're also treating, you know, much more complex cases than we would have, you know, 20 years ago in terms of advances in technology. Um, that means that people that wouldn't have had surgery previously or wouldn't have been eligible are now having surgery, uh, which adds on. And, you know, the cancer rate increases, the uh, obesity rate's going up, but all of those lead to complications and often surgeries uh, result in those complications. A Canadian journalist infiltrates an international network of violent extremists. They don't care who they maim or hurt or kill. White supremacists who want to spark a race war and incite the collapse of society. Embrace the chaos and from its ashes a new world shall rise to victory, white man! I'm Michelle Shepard and I'll take you inside this movement to learn where it came from and where it's headed next. White Hot Hate. Available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. So let me bring another voice into this conversation, because I want to talk more about, about the impact of this, but also just what's going on more broadly. Um, Dr. Lucy Filto is president of the Canadian Anesthesiologist Society. She's in Ottawa. Dr. Filto, good morning to you. Good morning. So we heard Dr. Greg talking about what's happening in Alberta, but also he he was speaking more broadly about what's happening across the country. I see, maybe it's just the algorithm, but I see ads popping up on social media for anesthesiologists from various provinces, people trying to lure anesthesiologists to Saskatchewan, to Alberta, for example. How serious is this, is, is this shortage? I think that Dr. Greg characterized the situation very accurately, and uh, what he has mentioned is that it is happening across the country, and uh, the picture that he uh, painted for Alberta is is very much uh, happening in all of the provinces. Can you just explain what you do, what anesthesiologists do? Because I think there are some people who, your only experience is the mask is on your face and count backwards from 10 and you get 10, 9, and that's the end of the conversation. So explain what it is that you do. Certainly. 50% of the population actually doesn't know that we're physicians. There was a recent survey published uh, regarding the public perception, and they don't know that to be an anesthesiologist means that you've gone undergone four years of medical school training and then five years of specialty training after that to learn how to give people anesthetics. And it's a complex process. You have to have an in-depth knowledge of physiology, how the body works, pathophysiology, how diseases work, pharmacology, which is how medicines work, and then an understanding of surgical procedures. And on a moment-to-moment basis, while we're looking after people in the operating room, because we're there the whole time, you're controlling heart rate, blood pressure, breathing. People are essentially on life support. Their temperature, their blood loss, hydration, muscle relaxation, it's a complicated process. You're not just putting people to sleep, you're keeping them alive. 
<laughs> and waking them up again. That is the art. The art. Um, Dr. Greg, when there are fewer anesthesiologists than required, what sort of decisions need to be made? So, uh, you know, two big ones. One is surgical capacity. And so, you know, in in Alberta, we've given AHS, which is Alberta Health Services, uh, the operations team, the availability of, you know, what we have for scheduling. And at the end of the day, the operations team makes a decision on which surgeries get prioritized. Um, and so, you know, cancer surgery has been one of the big ones that's been prioritized. And that may require pulling people or closing rooms um, for other services or other surgeries that, um, you know, are considered lower priority by whoever's making the decision. Like what? Uh, uh we're seeing, you know, some of the semi-cosmetic type stuff, some of the quality of life stuff is being changed. Um, I know our, our ENT service has days closed um, with some frequency, uh, and that would be, you know, people that have had obstructed nasal passages or had a broken nose, fixing nose, you know, for long-term effects, not urgent surgery, but mm. uh, people that have sleep apnea, that kind of thing, and having nose surgeries. Uh, hernia surgery, I believe, was deprioritized by the government here a couple of years ago, and that was actually talking about being delisted. Um, some of the quality of life gynecologic surgeries, uh, you know, may not have the same uh, speed that we'd like to get them done in. Dr. Filto, you see this across the country? Absolutely. And these decisions are made sometimes at a provincial level and sometimes at an individual hospital level. Uh, and so, but everybody is facing the same decisions. We have a limited number of resources and how are we going to distribute them? Somebody suffers in the end because their surgery is postponed. Is there anywhere that where this shortage of anesthesiologists is being felt particularly acutely, Dr. Filto? I think the rural areas are harder hit than in urban areas for sure. And that would be, I mean, it, it sounds obvious, but explain why. Uh, it is sometimes more difficult to recruit anesthesiologists uh, to rural areas. Um, and uh, as a result, uh, if there are short staffing and there are very few people in the rural areas, it becomes a, a, a snowball effect because the few people that would be in a rural area providing anesthetics will be on the hook for working much longer hours and covering call shifts. And sometimes that means being permanently on call day and night for emergencies that come in, which is obviously a very tough sell. Dr. Greg, what are the conversations that you have with your colleagues about this? You mentioned the days getting longer and people, you know, maybe leaving the province or going somewhere else. When when you're being stretched in this way, um, what are people talking about when when they can catch a breath, if they can catch a breath? You know, two things. I think one is that people are talking about relocating. Um, so there are some places, as you mentioned earlier, you know, Saskatchewan, New Brunswick have very aggressive recruiting programs now. So people have talked about just backing up and leaving. Um, people are talking about slowing their practices down or, you know, taking more days off because they just can't do the same volunteer work they're doing. Uh, many people are working, you know, 20, 30% more than they're scheduled to work uh, to try to get cases done. But at some point, um, people burn out and, you know, want to slow down. We, you know, we have people that used to pick up a lot of extra call to help out the group and, and extra, do extra cases, and we're just not seeing that right now. Mm -hmm. Dr. Filto, do you feel that burnout? 
Absolutely. Uh, people, you know, we to use the expression flogging a dead horse, you know, when we were in a crisis during COVID, people were, you know, all hands on deck, but you cannot sustain that long term. And so as the years go by, uh, you know, coming in on your days off to give anesthetics to prevent uh, an OR being canceled, uh, you know, we continue to do that. Is that something, but- is that, something that you do? Oh, yes, absolutely. We every single day, uh, we see sick calls and we see uh, notes on our, our chats, you know, the to uh, come in if you can, and people will pinch hit, uh, cancel their home plans and, and come in. And there's a tremendous amount of productivity pressure from the hospitals to get the work done. But at some point, you cannot sustain that type of activity. Productivity pressure, that, that meaning that if you don't show up, the operation is canceled, the backlog gets longer. Exactly. It's not a consequence from a hospital point of view. It's just the moral consequence yeah. that we feel knowing that patients are not getting the care they need. Dr. Greg, we got a statement from Alberta Health Services saying that they had recently made changes to the temporary suspension of the participation by Northern Alberta in this national donor recipient matching program to allow for transplants for highly sensitized patients in February. Highly sensitized patients are those who have a lot of difficulty finding a match. Th- these are life-saving operations for many people. You've hinted at this, but what do you make of how decisions are being made on how resources are being allocated? Uh, you know, I, that's the statement. Um, I hadn't seen that one, but, uh, you know, I think there are decisions being made at the operations level to try to prioritize, you know, urgent cases. Um, it's a difficult decision. I, I remember talking with people about this before at the provincial level, that. You know, we do have limited resources, and there needs to be difficult decisions made. Um, in the ideal world, you know, the wait list is negligible, and we have enough ORs and enough staff, not just anesthesia, but post-operative care, et cetera, uh, to do everything. But that's not the reality we're in right now, and there's no short-term fix. So they are difficult decisions. Um, people are going to be affected, and it's very tough as a practitioner to know that. Um, you know, as Lucy hinted to, we, we do our best to try and pick up the slack, but yeah. at some point, we just can't do it. Dr. Filto, there are a couple of things that have been floated as proposals to deal with this. One is to change the ratio of care. What currently is the ratio of care when it comes to a patient and an anesthesiologist? So the current guidelines to the practice of anesthesia in Canada put out by the Canadian Anesthesiologist Society is that there's a one-to-one ratio of a physician uh, who provides anesthetics being in the room with somebody who's receiving a general anesthetic. And so that means that you are there the entire time. I want to get to the physician part of that in a moment, but one of the suggestions is that that you, as an anesthesiologist, would be responsible for multiple rooms. Is that possible? Well, it's physically possible, but I wouldn't recommend it. Mm. Because I, I think that every well, every patient in Canada deserves the presence of an anesthesiologist. As I mentioned before, it's a complex process, and you would want the person with that training being by your side because things do happen on a moment-to-moment basis, and judgment needs to happen at the time to avoid a crisis. You've also said a few different times that you are a physician, that the, the, these are doctors, you're a doctor. And so there's a suggestion as well to replace perhaps some of the, the, the responsibilities and the roles with non-physicians. Is, what would that do? 
well, we have a long-standing history in Canada of this being the case in as far back as the late 1930s, where the decision was made that this is a medical act. And as a result, and, and there were deaths at the time that led to that decision. So this is our long-standing history of quality and safety care in Canada. So to change that model now uh, very much concerns me with regards to trying to maintain that level of quality. So what's the answer here? Well, we do have anesthesia assistants, although we don't have enough of them at the, t- at the moment. It is uh, an anesthesia care team set up. And I do think that if we really low-hanging fruit, we could absolutely increase our numbers of assistants to help with the efficiency of care, because more hands on deck means that it's a, a better quality of working conditions and also definitely increases the efficiency. But, it's, it, it, all, but ultimately, though, you need more people in the field, right? Yes, but they're, they're uh, faster to train. They're typically respiratory therapists, and they have a specific training and certification uh, that leads them to be certified as anesthesia assistants, and they're skilled assistants, and they understand a lot of what's going on, and then we're able to delegate certain tasks to them and work alongside with them. But also, there are tremendous inefficiencies within our current system. Unlike private industry, the hospitals can have a lot of bottlenecks to the process of care. Mm. We're not talking about a race car pit crew here. There are inefficiencies that happen and addressing those inefficiencies would make a lot more sense rather than having a valuable anesthesiologist and whole surgical team waiting 45 minutes in between cases to get the next surgery done. And so rather than doubling up two rooms to one anesthesiologist, I think addressing some of these issues would help. Really glad to hear about the work that you do um, and the complexity of that work, but also what you're up against. Doctors, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Dr. Kevin Gregg, president of the Alberta Medical Association Anesthesia Section. He was in Edmonton. And Dr. Lucy Filto is president of the Canadian Anesthesiologist Society. She was in Ottawa. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.